As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will see through the fog a bend in reality, a veil that is beyond your own comprehension. It's the other side, beyond the void. And welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast Voidtober. That's right, it's Voidtober, motherfuckers. It's Voidtober. <laughs> spooky, spooky skeletons and shivers down my spine. You're gonna get us copyrighted. It's not really fine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I doubt it. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, this week we're going to be doing two movies to kick off Voidtober, and that is... The Witches of Eastwick from 1987. And Beetlejuice from 1988. So two movies with comedies that are funny and silly and wacky and irreverent and sort of sleazy. These are both kind of sleazy dudes in them that star in the movie. They aren't actually the main cast, which is interesting. We always They seem to match really well, don't you think? Yeah. So... So let's kick it off, and uh, I guess I want to say happy Voidtober, everybody. If you're not familiar with what Voidtober is and you're new around these parts, well, this is where we've been. Our, it's our third annual? I don't know. I'll have to look into that, but I think it's our third annual. <laughs> That's how important it is to us, guys. No, but we're basically going to be doing a bunch of different reviews and things, trying to do a little bit of different things during the weeks that we do the podcast, like we might have some trivia one time. We're going to do things a little bit more loosey-goosey around here for Voidtober, so it might not be the same show that you have, but that's kind of a good thing, right? You don't want to hear the same thing over and over Mix and over it again. Up. Yeah, we want to do a, a few different things, talk about Halloween, talk about things that you can do for Halloween, maybe even, you know, just ideas that you might have around the house or just whatever that has to do with Halloween in general and the movies that we got coming out. Now, typically for Voidtober, I try to pick a lot of movies that I am familiar with for Halloween. So these are usually movies that I've seen before, might have reviewed before, but just like to watch around Halloween. And I kind of try to mix it up. We do anyway. And this time we sat down together and kind of figured out what we wanted to watch. Mm -hmm. um, that was mainstream, a little bit more mainstream. Some of this is underground, of course, but a lot of stuff is a little bit more popular just so we can celebrate Halloween. Exactly. And of course, we're including this in YouTube as well, where I will be doing a ton of new reviews for stuff that's coming out on Shutter or VOD or and theaters a, even. And there's a lot of stuff coming out this month. There is. Yeah, we got some stuff. And actually, we have VHS 85 that's coming out, which I'm really excited about. I'm already I've already planned. I got my movies out already. So I'm planning to sit down and watch all of them. Mm -hmm. All five of them. Is it five? I don't know. We we have this, 
We had this discussion last time, and you didn't believe me, no, so it, I don't know. It is five for now, and then it'll be six, I think, on the next one. But anyway, I've got all of them. I'm going to put them in my sequential order on YouTube, things like that. You know, I might pick, like, my favorite so bad it's good, or maybe talk about a movie that I just want to talk about that we're not doing on the podcast. But it's also going to include stuff like Creep Show, which I'm, I'm debating whether we do each episode or what I think, because that's a lot of fucking work. That is. You really have to do a lot of research to like figure out what every little thing in each of the episodes meant in each of the segments mm-hmm. like it is not easy that's why but you have fun doing it well people flock to our channel over in and I, I just was worn out by it right it just it's it's a lot of work right you know so but i've been pushing it i know you guys know i have sleep issues i'm falling asleep while i'm standing up kind of thing <laughs> it's a lot of fun but you know what i've been just like taking it on the chin i talked to nick actually last night who he was like oblivious to this and he was like oh shit that sucks and i was like trust me dude (laughs) but but you know i've been pushing through it and i think i've been a much more positive person about it Mm -hmm. and uh speaking of positivity mr uh grumples over here had turned 10 years old last week yeah murray turned 10 years old and he blessed me with a a whole day at the vet because he's been having arthritis issues. Yay! Happy Halloween, everybody! <laughs> yeah, we were. It's like weird. His like age is just like it's like it's, he it's, it's like he suddenly became five years older in the matter of a week. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. Five years older in a matter of a week, and we've been just like she's been stressed out, and I'm like, baby, stop! You gotta just like love him and enjoy him while we got him. Don't stress about that stuff. We'll, we'll tackle it as it comes, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we've been crying every night. <laughs> Not really. Pretty much. <laughs> Just worried. You know, we're big pet owners, you know? And Murray is by far probably one of the biggest pets we've ever had. Yeah. You know, like he is a staple of our relationship. So once he's gone, I guess we're done. I, yeah. <laughs> Bye. Podcast is over, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, huh? You know? (laughs) No, I couldn't. I could never. But um, yeah, I'll be a mess after that. So we'll need each other anyway. (laughs) But once we're done grieving, then we can break up. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, we got a lot of Voidtober fun that we're going to have this month. So I hope you guys will join us on the YouTube and on here. Somebody asked, hey, are you going to do any streaming this year? I have cut back on streaming and it has actually helped me to be able to do more for the YouTube. Right. Uh, I, I miss it greatly because a lot of the people that would come and visit me religiously were very, very cool. Mm-hmm. And it was always great to just sit down and have a laugh, play some games and stuff. I, I barely play games anymore because right. I'm not online and it's not the same without you guys. So, But, you know, I am trying to get a new computer. I'm trying to save up. I'm trying to get that done. So, you know, who knows? Maybe in the future we'll do like one or two nights a year, you know, like out of the year i may even do something on youtube by the way i've mentioned this a couple of times oh going live on youtube just just going live on youtube to talk about horror movies and stuff like that with everybody on the youtube because i know some of you guys came here from youtube and some of you from here went to our youtube so it's like i'm trying to mix these two together these two very different things that you know it's two different types of audience you know yeah you can't mix that (laughs) yeah just remember youtubers you don't have to listen to the whole podcast and just remember uh uh podcasters you can watch many more than one one youtube so we appreciate you (laughs) 
And if you haven't let anybody know already that what the podcast is doing, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Please help us and share this episode right now with all of your friends and let them know what we got going on over here. We're going, we may, and I just want to say may because money's a little tight for us right now, but I want to do a giveaway because we always do one. So it won't be a huge one, but there's quite a few movies in there. And if I can pack a box that I can send off for under $20, I think it'll be worth it. Mm-hmm. We have a ton of movies we've been saving up, like a ton. <laughs> like we've been collecting knowing that we have duplicates and stuff. And we're like, okay, we'll just give that away. We'll just give that away. But we haven't done a giveaway in a while. So, right. you know, best way to know is to sign up for our Beyond the Void Horror Podcast VIP Club, which you can find on longlivethevoid.com. And you can also sign up and let you know when we have a new episode out and some of the most recent YouTube videos that we have. We only do it once a week. So it's not like something that we're going to inundate you with a bunch of stuff. And really, it's just to kind of let you know what's going on on our end. So. Mm-hmm. so, yeah, I hope you guys are excited. Are you excited for Halloween, Christina? Are you excited for Voidtober? I'm excited for October 13th, and I'm excited for Voidtober. Why Why? Why that specific? Just because of Halloween? No, October 13th. Oh, I didn't hear it. Sorry. I, I, got, I did the dyslexia thing. <laughs> why? What, what's October the... 13th, Friday the 13th. Oh, that's right. Taylor Swift. Oh, God. Eras tour in theaters. Every other horror fan would be like, you know, oh, my God, it's a Friday the 13th in the middle of October, the best Halloween month of, you know, and ever. I'm going to the, and I'm going to see Taylor Swift in the theater. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, my God. She's got like these really funny shirts that she she bought. I a got shirt. like a, a death metal shirt that says Taylor Swift, <laughs> and then it has like the devil, and then it says. I can't believe you're sharing and, this with everybody right now. And then it says "Shake It Off" on the bottom of the shirt. It's really cool. I'll post it. It does look cool. Yeah. She was like, "Which one do you like?" I was like, "I like the death metal one." <laughs> yeah, they they had a Danzig one. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was Danzig. Was it Danzig or was it yeah, just it was, like one of the black metal bands? No, it was Danzig. Okay, but it was it was like her face. And it said Swift. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of Danzig, it said Swift in anyway, her face. It's great. Yeah, I'm not excited for Taylor Swift at all. I'm, I'm actually looking Can forward to it. Can you stay happen. home? I will. I don't know. I plan to have a good time that night. In fact, me and Murray are going to have a fucking party while you're gone. So I don't really good. give a shit. Good for you. Watch yeah. some Friday the 13th. I'm going to rub some fucking arthritis some- cream on his, <laughs> on his ankles. <laughs> and then cry into a pillow all night. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Voidtober. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, it's I'm exciting. I have to boost myself up here um, for many reasons. One, because it's a lot of work I'm going to be doing. You know what? The- Two, because I really like to celebrate Halloween. And three, you guys won't be excited if I'm not excited. So be excited, motherfuckers. The Voidtober video you made, like the trailer, is yeah. really cool. So- Dude, I spent an, like 15 hours making that one minute and 30 second fucking video it was cool that's how much time it takes to like i did all the elements in it except for the song that's about it right but i cut up the song to make it fit i wanted to get it under a minute but it was really hard to get it in a minute it's like the smaller you go the harder it is to pack so much information and you dubbed your voice in there too which is really cool you like i did you know it's funny i did a lot of it on my computer right Mm -hmm. i spent like nine hours doing that and then i exported it I showed it to you, and then I, I, yeah, I downloaded it on my phone and did the rest on my phone. Welcome to the future, Alex. That is the fucking most bizarre thing. Soon, but soon, AI is just going to do it for you. It just was easier at the time. It was the most practical way to do it. And I was like, well, it's 1080p, so it doesn't really matter. 
I can do that, you know? Right. So my new computer is going to be doing more 4K. I'm going to try to do more 4K. This one doesn't handle it so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it barely, it bar- it struggles. So, you know, you have to have a lot of RAM, a lot of virtual RAM for your uh, computer to be able to do it as well. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, has everything been going good with you other than Taylor no. Swiftness? No. Getting Swiftness? No. Getting Swifty? Murray, just Murray. That's it. Just Murray. Okay. Well, we got some uh, TV shows and stuff that we're looking forward to. I know that we uh, we didn't get to start AHS yet. We wanted to, but we, we kind of like to wait till there's like... At least a few episodes. And I've heard some bad stuff about it already, but people always do that in the beginning of AHS. And then there's like the episode where they're all in love with it again. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like people want to hate it, but then they find something they like about it. <laughs> and I think this one's, you know, this is definitely dealing with being an influencer. So it's like, oh. I'm sure not very appealing to a lot of people, you know, like it's one of those things where they address influence. Oh, no, she's an actress. I thought she was like, no. Yeah. And then Kim Kardashian's her agent. Right. She's, she's it's all tra- about fame, though, is what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. It's about fame. Influence, fame, whatever. It's all the same, <laughs> you know. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, talent is the same, you know, you can be an influencer with zero talent. Right. <laughs> you can be an actor with uh, zero talent and still be famous, too, though. Don't Ye- you think? Yes, I do think. Yeah. OK. What's going on with you? <laughs> You're acting weird. Oh, no. I thought he was chewing on something he wasn't supposed to be. OK. Yes. She's omnipresent. Yes. Murray first I'm and then he- the podcast. Helicopter. Helicopter mom. You want me to do a helicopter? Spooky, spooky skeletons. So I think it's about. I think it's about that time. I think it's about that time. It doesn't work like that. Yes, it does. <laughs> I have the power. All right, guys. I think it might be that time. Time is it? Horse shots. So this helicopter, I mean, this shot that we're going to be doing today, we're going to be doing a shot based around Beetlejuice, motherfuckers. That's right. And what better way to do a shot about Beetlejuice than to call it a Beetlejuice? Huh. So, so original. No, it's not a really a shot or anything like that. We decided to get a little crazy. And uh, I was like thinking of ingredients that we could use. And obviously green is a theme in fucking Beetlejuice, right? And so. you said Mountain Dew. And I was like at the grocery store. And I was like, oh, my God, Mountain Dew makes alcoholic beverages now. That's right. It's called hard Mountain Dew zero sugar. Oh, OK. There is 5% alcohol by volume in here. It's like a beer. Yeah. Yeah, it, you would think it would be a malt, but that might be a little too strong. They wanted you to taste that Mountain Dew flavor more. Oh. So there might have been a balance issue that they were, like, tossing with. Okay. Besides, it's easier probably for them to have less alcohol in it because you might have to have a special license to do higher percentages. I don't know how that works. I don't know. But, yeah, they've done it, guys. We're finally here. When we get a Doritos, like, bag of Doritos flavored with vodka, <laughs> then we'll be set. <laughs> We'll test it out for you. So, so yeah, basically it's called Hard Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. We just basically took a picture of it if you want to check it out on a website and pick it up for yourself. But we're going to taste test it like we would like a, Uf- a YouTube influencer, huh? We're not paid by Mountain Dew either, so don't be influenced. <laughs> They're like, trust me, we're not. <laughs> so I'm going to pour. Okay, Murray. I'm going to pour a little for Murray. 
I'm kidding. Here, just give me the can. I got it. Sip, I don't want it. Is that a clean glass? Yes, it's a clean glass. I brought two cups. I didn't want to hold a cold can. It's a beer. It smells Mountain Dewy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's probably light on the beer. It doesn't probably taste like beer. So before we shoot this, you got to say, because, you know, this, since we're doing a shot for the ghost with the most, we have to do a toast with the most. We got to say, it's showtime. You ready? Oh, okay. It's, it's showtime. showtime. It literally tastes like a Mountain Dew beer. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it. Uh, do you guys remember those drinks back in the day that gave people heart problems? Jolt? No, it's not Jolt. It was like an alcoholic beverage with energy drink in it. Oh. I forget what it was called. It had like a plus symbol on it oh, or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, goddamn, what was that called? It kind of tastes like that. Yeah. A little bit, but better because this, like I said, it's a consist. It's a taste issue. They probably had a different, they wanted to make it less alcohol because it was too much. They probably had one that was like 8%. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, ooh, this is kind of gross. <laughs> Guys, this is like vodka. We're not, we're not going to do it, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's not bad. It's all right. It's probably easier to slam. I wouldn't say it's a thirst quencher. That's for goddamn sure. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I don't know. It you know. I'd rather have regular Mountain Dew exactly, vodka. Exactly, exactly. It has an aftertaste, too. Ugh. It, like, stays in your mouth. I wouldn't say it's good. Ugh. But then again, what alcohol is, <laughs> unless you're like after the first taste, like whiskey, it's like when you first take whiskey, mm-hmm. it's like really strong. And then once like the good whiskey anyway, mm-hmm. it's really strong and you're just like, oh, God, Jesus. And then after that, when you sip it, it's like smooth. Uh-huh. Uh, that's kind of probably around the same. Just not as good. I think whiskey's better. I'd rather just drink straight whiskey. But hey, Beetlejuice. <laughs> It's not supposed to taste great, right? He's kind of sleazy. He's kind of a, you know, trickster. So it's like he just sneaked into your drink and did some stuff with it, you know. But Christina won't let me say it. So I had to edit it out. (laughs) That's true. Gosh. She said it was pushing it too far. (laughs) So use your imaginations, folks. Anyway, if you'd like to try a Beetlejuice, all you got to do is go to the store and buy one. But if you want to know what it looks like, check out the episode. All right, guys. That's it for Horror Shots. All right, guys. So now we're going to go ahead and jump into our first two films of Voidtober with... The Witches of Eastwick from 1987. And Beetlejuice from 1988. We're going to go ahead and do that right now. It's showtime! So now we're going to jump into the first one. Christina, kick it off. The Witches of Eastwick was released June 12th, 1987. Three single women in a picturesque village have their wishes granted at a cost when a mysterious and flamboyant male arrives in their lives. Mm. Tagline, something wicked this way comes. Is there more? Yeah, but I didn't like them. Oh, okay. Uh, this was directed by George Miller. So weird. Who directed like every Mad Max movie. Yeah. Um, he also did Lorenzo's Oil, Happy Feet, and he was a writer on Babe. Right. The, uh, the 
Pig, the pig movie. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> I know. <don't laughs> it's like, Jesus. I know, and the Happy Feet, too. That yeah, kind of threw me. You know, because Happy Feet Pink. and Mad Max. <laughs> Same thing. Very, very close. Very similar. <laughs> Both of them live in an apocalypse. So. Uh, written by John Updick, he wrote the novel. Right. Michael Christopher wrote the screenplay, and he's an actor. He acted in Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, Mr. Robot, and he wrote and directed Gia. Oh, about yeah. the model. Oh, yeah. Every guy knows that movie. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> you know why, right? No. You know who's in Gia? Who plays no. Gia, the model? No, I forget. Why don't you just tell she me? She was in Hackers. I'll give you a hint. Oh, Angelina Jolie. Yes. That's oh, why. okay. Because back then, Angelina Jolie was like, it was like every guy's dream. Like, like Brad Pitt was for every woman. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So there's a lot of famous people in this movie. So I'm just gonna kind of go through the movies that, um, they that I like. You don't say. You like? Okay. I'm just okay. letting you know. Okay, There's we, famous people in this movie? Like everyone in this movie. Huh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I didn't know. So we have Cher, you know, from uh, what's from the 70s, Cher. Yeah. She was in uh, Sonny and Cher, the TV show from the 70s, really popular singer. You know, she's won a shit ton of Grammys yeah. and stuff. Husband caught a tree. Yeah. Ex-husband. Also beat the shit out of her, supposedly. I don't know. Anyway, so she was in uh, the movie Mask. She was also in Moonstruck and she was in Mermaids from 1990 who Winona Ryder and Christina Ricci and Winona Ryder's in the next movie. That's why. Yeah, she got an award for Mask, too. Yeah. And we're not talking about the Jim Carrey movie. We're talking about the uh, sort of like... It's from the early 90s. The guy had a big head. Yeah. He had like a dis... I don't know. Yeah, it was like a... He was like a... I don't know what the disease is called, but... We also have Michelle Pfeiffer, who plays Suki... Mm-hmm. She was in Batman Returns. She was Catwoman. And with she was Michael with Keaton. With Michael yeah. Keaton. She was in Batman Returns. Who's in the next movie. She was also in Hairspray from 2007. The Age of Innocence with Winona Ryder from 1993. She was recently in Ant-Man. Uh, Scarface, of course, you know, the original. That's yeah. pretty much how she started her career. She was in that Mother movie. And then she was also in Dark Shadows. The 2012 one. Yeah, yeah uh, that Tim Burton did. Yeah. And then Never Forget Grease 2. A lot of, lot of crossover with the actors and people yeah. who were going to be in this movie with that. Yep, just like Susan Sarandon, who plays right. Jan. She was in Thelma and Louise with Gina Davis, who's in the next movie. Right. And then also, of course, Rocky Horror Picture Show and Little Women with Winona Ryder. Right, yeah. And we can't forget that she was in The Hunger with David Bowie, who's in the next yeah, which movie. Which is great, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was also in uh, The Blue Beetle. Oh, the, uh, yeah, I've been wanting to see that. I haven't seen yeah, it Yeah, we haven't seen that yet. And then we have Jack Nicholson. He was in Bat. He was Joker in Batman with Michael Keaton, who's in that Obviously, <laughs> and you know the shining. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Those- which one of my favorite movies? I love that movie. You know what? He he wasn't really. He was in seventy eight movies total. Yeah, he's been a lot. No, a lot of that, really famous ones. That wasn't too. that wasn't that many movies to me compared to everyone else. Right, but he's which gotten, was like over two hundred. Yeah, but his movies are watched like a lot. Yeah, you know he was there was like a time in the 80s and the 90s where oh yeah it was just Jack you Nicholson. couldn't you couldn't watch a movie without finding him in it right <laughs> you know what i mean all right we have veronica cartwright who plays felicia mm-hmm. uh she was in invasion of the body snatchers That's right she was a fucking she was uh what's his name's wife yep who who is he from jurassic park and keith or sutherland no uh He's like talks like this, and he's it's just very eccentric, and he has that show where he. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Christine. I can't think. I can't think either. 
Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Okay. She was also in Birds. She was also in Alien. She played Bun Wavery in the Eastwick show from 2009 to 2011, which I thought was interesting. She was also in Scary Movie 2. And she was on Six Feet Under with Richard Jenkins, who plays Clyde, her husband in this movie, who we will always remember as one of the workers in The Cabin in the Woods, Always and Forever. He was also in Shape of Water, Step Brothers. Right. He was also in Wolf with Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. They're all in that movie together, which I think is, is funny. From 1994, this is from 87. And then we Well, this have, is at the height of their careers, a lot of them. Right. So. And then finally, we have Carl Sucky... Wait, hold on, what? <laughs> the last one. Carl Strucken, who plays Fidel. You will, Everyone knows him as Lurch in the Addams Family's movies, the movies yep. from the 90s. He was also Men in Black. He was also Twin... Pr- Peaks in, the, and, in the secret room, right? In the red room? Yes. Yeah. Creepy tall guy. That's what he's listed as is the tall guy. The backwards man. The and then uh, <laughs> he was also in Dr. Sleep. That's right. The budget on this movie was $22 million. Opening weekend, it only made nine. It bombed. It bombed. Huh. They didn't like those witch movies. Yeah, but this, I think, set the fucking future for a lot of other witch movies. I think so, too. What'd you think of this movie? I actually really like this film. I think it's a good film for all of the people involved. Literally, every single actor in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those films that's kind of got the kind of jovial spirit of like something like, I don't know, what is it? Death Becomes Her and, yep. you know, Beetlejuice and all these kind of irreverent comedies that were really popular at the time. And, you know, that's actually kind of the the thing about this movie is that it's it didn't really click with everybody, I think, you know, because it wasn't just an apparent comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those sort of realistic, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a lot of fun. I think it is. And I think the, the girls in this are fucking amazing. I think Jack Nicholson is really amazing in this. He's doing his really good Jack Nicholson crazy and also charming and sleazy kind of version of himself in this. Like, this is like the movie that he did right before he started getting kind of up there in ages. You know what I mean? He, he, before he did like Adam Sandler movies and shit like, like the that. The bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the bucket list. Yeah. I've given up list. I'm just kidding. Nobody's Fool or whatever that <laughs> yeah. movie was Nobody's called. Nobody's watching. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No. He actually hasn't even acted since like 2010. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a long yeah. time. Well, he's old. He's, I think, he was born in like 36. Well, he did that Adam Sandler movie and then he kind of Andrew, slowed Anger down. Man, Anger Management. Management. Yeah. It was really popular because he was in it. Right. And I think he and Sandler did a good job together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's... Uh, I think this one's a good movie. It's one that I will watch again for sure. It's not the best movie I've ever seen either. It's not like one of my favorite movies, but it's definitely along the lines of like something like The Craft or, you know, any of those witch movies that you would see at the time, like uh, Hocus Pocus. Or or Witches. The Witches. Yeah, same thing with Angelica Houston. Yeah. Which gets brought up a lot in the trivia in this, by the way. Um, But yeah. This movie is a lot of fun. It's got some pretty dark sexual humor in it. There is a lot of really charming parts by literally Susan Sarandon, who does like a multi different part in it where she's playing sweet and sexy. And then you got Cher, who, you know, she's doing her best Cher, <laughs> but she's really charming in this. And I really like her in it. She's I think she really was the this this character that she got that she wanted, which we'll talk about in the extras. It was really meant for her. 
But I mean, I think it, it was meant for everybody. Like it just, the roles really fit the characters in this movie. I think it works really well for a comedy for the most part. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's a very particular style where it's kind of like one of those, like on the fringe of romance on the fringe of like comedy and like on the fringe of horror all at once. So it's kind of like this tri section of a movie that like, you know, they're all connected to each other. So it is a little bit more of an adult comedy. So I would, so I, you know, I could definitely understand where older or younger people might not like it so much, but the older people of that time would not like this. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. Those get offended I like some of the dark humor in this I think it's really good right like I love the kind of like just jovial fun nature that they are poking at some very serious fucked up things you know what I mean Mm -hmm. people how people die like you know just crazy stuff I think it's funny uh, it's not the funniest thing I've ever seen, but, you know, I think it's definitely a solid film. I think overall it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Seeing all these actors in one place, there was like three award winners of Oscars in this fucking movie. Yeah. You know, at the time even. So it's not a bad movie. I think it was just they didn't know how to market it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they really understood. Well, it was people. released in June. It, like it was going to be a like a summer blockbuster. Summer blockbuster. Yeah. Which, yeah. No. I don't know. It just, uh, I don't know. I still think, I think it, it's one of those movies that I've remembered over the years. And when we talk about like witch movies, I always think of this one, mm-hmm. you know, because I've always loved the name. Yeah. Um, It just sounds so perfect. You know, the witches of Eastwick. Like it's so perfect. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I don't know. If you like 80s, you'll like it. But I think it's got that mainstream flair, obviously, that people will like too, that anybody can kind of sit and watch it. Even if you're old or young, you know, it doesn't matter. I think most people can kind of grasp onto this one. I I liked it when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if I did, I'm sure other people can. But, you know, are there other movies out there with, with talent that are probably more current? Yes. Mm-hmm. So it might appeal to an older generation now more than it does anybody oh, else. Oh, yeah, totally. But I still really enjoy it. I would give it a 7.5, maybe an 8. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if I would give it an 8 totally. It's enough for me to like, and I like the scenes in it, but I felt like it could have done more. A little bit. I wish there was more, like, witchy type of stuff in it. it instead, they just kind of fell into this this supernatural thing, and they didn't really question it, and they didn't really, like... um like dig into it until like the end until they needed it gone right then they're like oh shit you know okay let's you know i'm not spoiling anything i'm no. just saying and i think honestly they set this movie up for a sequel honestly so oh yeah totally it with felt the, like yeah it totally did but yeah because like i think it's one of those movies where it's like the bad guy is a likable character in some ways you feel like both sort of ways about him and in, in, in throughout the movie mm-hmm. like you do in beetlejuice right way, so but I thought the acting from everybody was really good, especially the Cartwright who played Felicia. Oh, God. She was my favorite character because she just is off the hinges and, you know, she's just angry and she's calling them whores and she's yeah. getting possessed Dude, and shit. The, the church scene is pretty funny. Yeah. And she is such a great actress and I don't think she gets enough credit, especially for everything else she's done. <laughs> you know, she yeah, it's yeah. really good. But you mentioned Death Becomes Her, but I also think... Of I immediately think of practical magic. Yeah. Oh, that's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. I I I said hocus pocus, but that's the one I meant. Yeah, practical magic because it's 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 kind of the same female empowerment. Older women vibe. Well, not older women, but isn't what's her name in it the. Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock, and they were in their early 30s. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm thinking of Hocus <laughs> but, Pocus again. You're thinking of Hocus Pocus. But 
and then the the like the male in it is deceiving and everything and it's it's you know it's along this kind of same line it's a feminine movie i really like practical magic it is one of the movies i've watched like we're talking about ever since this came out i'm just saying it makes me think of it because i haven't watched this movie in such a long time it's been such a long time i watched death becomes practical magic's better than this yes i do okay 100 percent a practical magic is like way better. Than you like the nineties more than, than the eighties. I do. I do. But I'll tell you something. I will probably not watch this movie again because I fucking hate Jack Nicholson in this movie because he's fucking disgusting, mm-hmm. which I know is the character. I know. But then he has hey, those that women made him. But then he has that little goddamn ponytail on the back of his balding uh, head. Yes. Which like, Makes no goddamn sense to ladies, me. Ladies, ladies, eat a cherry. He looks like fucking, uh, <laughs> he looks like Homer Simpson. I mean, he's supposed to be a middle-aged man. I know. He's supposed to be somewhat unappealing, but, he's but just available and likable. That's what they wanted. But he wasn't likable to me. No, He was very deceiving. Him. Of course he was. I mean, it's Jack Nicholson. Anyway, I will give, what'd you give it, a 7.5? 7.5, yeah, Yeah, I give it a 7, just because it is like a classic, and, yeah, you know. There's really good acting in it, though. Like, yeah, there's, there's really, really good, good performances. Act- there's really good performances in it, for sure. Yeah, like Definitely. multiple different times. And, and then the location, and like where they filmed it, like the little town, and it, it had all the tropey stuff. I also like it how it, it just started off the bat, and the way they introduced the characters. They didn't really, they it started off really well, but I mean, they, it, it, you, you got a feeling for everything like right off the bat, which right. is hard to do. I think in movies because it's either boring because they're stretching it out or so I think they did a really good Everyone job. Everyone but Jack looks pretty young too. Yeah. And this is, you know. Yeah. Per- for 88, 87. Right. Like, yeah. They did she look like, young. She like, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer still looked pretty young in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think she was, you know, obviously she was not that far off from Batman few years right but this is like before she turned into cameron diaz later (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty much what happened right like but Cher looks exactly the same that's why cameron diaz got popular she was like a like uh, you know yeah well cameron diaz very different actresses i'm just saying yeah yeah. but Cher looks exactly the same because Cher is a vampire right but yeah so you give it a 7 out of 10 i give it a 7.5 so 7.25 i think that's pretty fair i mean it it may have been higher for some but i've always fondly remembered this and i watch a lot of movies in the seven category so that might be why Mm -hmm. so i don't think it's the perfect film but i still think there's a lot to like about it and it may be other people's like favorite films oh 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 another one that would be good uh, another the dark sort of humor sort of side of it um, I would say is kind of like um, War of the Roses almost. Oh, yeah. I meant to say that. You know, where it's got that kind of mix. It's the couple dark humor yeah. type thing. Except this is polyamory. But, you know, other than that, polyamory and witches go together like fucking. You know what you know. This should, they should do? They should do like a sister wives, <laughs> but the wives are witches. Yeah. No, they turn into it and has yeah, a guy. Yeah, they turn out has to a guy and gets it, all mad and, and they have to like kill. Um, he's the devil, Cody, because he's fucking narcissistic prick. <laughs> all right, Christina. Anyway, we do have some trivia on this that uh, is really long. There's not going to be much of us talking about scenes, but we'll mention it as we're talking about some of this trivia. But if you like tea, there's a lot to go around here. So uh, spill that tea, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> 
There's a lot of tea. Let's get into it. <laughs> Let's get into it, bitches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's get into it, bitches. Yes. So if you know anything spoiled, here's your warning. Alex is going to spill this tea. Hope you're ready for it. Hope I got some on my shirt already. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> is it piping hot? <laughs> if you want to watch Witches of Eastwick, you can check that out on Max and Prime with a subscription to Max. Or you can rent it. So if you want to check it out, there you go. So first of all, this is a movie that was shot in Cohasset, Massachusetts. Actually, Massachusetts as a state, like fought to have this movie be made in their fucking. Oh, really? In their state. Huh. It's weird. There's a lot of weird stuff about this movie. I can't get into all of it. It's because Satan lives there. Yeah. Well, I don't know why. I think they just are just, I don't know. I mean, it's a beautiful setting. It really I is. I love the town. I love the town in both of these movies, actually. Yeah. They're very similar in a lot of ways. Like yeah. that, that whole fucking sort of. Um, those painting, those normal. The Norman, nuclear family style yeah. fucking, you know. Norman Rockwell. Norman Rockwell. Yeah. That's probably better, better choice. But uh, there was a lot of walk-offs in this movie and threats of ones happening that on this in the making of this movie. In fact, there is an interview with the Australian magazine Cinema Papers in the early 1990s where director George Miller revealed that the shoot had been extremely difficult because he was initially unfamiliar with the Hollywood-style communication because he's Australian. In a meeting to discuss ways to reduce the budget, Miller volunteered to give up his trailer because he always was needed on the set and he was always kind of moving around. He was like, well, I'm going to be there like 10% of the time. What's the point? Right. You know, I don't really care. Just take it. And he was like doing it as a, hey, I'll take one for the team. Right. Well, a lot of the studio execs actually saw that as a pushover movement. So they began to interfere with his production with multiple different requests. And he even asked, he would he, he would like ask for stuff and they would give him less just to Weird. kind of fuck with him. You know what I mean? Um, they like like he would ask for 50 extras and the studio would provide a dozen. If he asked for two cameras, they would give him one. And he actually decided to fight fire with fire and refused to shoot each scene until his production demands were met. Oh, so the studio responded by looking for a new director. But they were prevented by Jack Nicholson, who was all on board on this movie. And why not? Because he's the biggest, you know, he's the Beetlejuice in this movie. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it, it, he really enjoyed the the movie. He really wanted to be a part of it with George Miller. And uh, he vowed to walk off the production of the set if he was replaced. So oh. that didn't happen. They were like, well, we can't lose him. So crazy the stuff that goes behind on behind the scenes here, guys. This is the, the big next one I'm going to tell you. Even more bizarre. OK, so another time one of the producers wanted to make the movie about aliens. So okay. a man, one of the producers, John Peters, felt like the movie needed an alien, like as in aliens, the movie came out and he was in such love with it God. that he wanted to put an alien in the movie. So he'd become so bananas and so obsessed with this idea and kept pitching it over and over and over and over to George. And George was like, man, what the fuck? No, what the fuck? So they... So John Peters actually paid a stuntman one time to dress up like an alien and and then put him in the scene to try to fuck with George. Mm -hmm. And George and Jack Nicholson actually had to leave the set in protest till Peter stopped pushing it and agreed to stop doing that. Like he was so obsessed with it. He, like George Miller went all the way back to Australia literally after they started writing this film because 
he wanted to put the aliens in that early because he saw, you know, the aliens movie and he was like, we should put more aliens in this. I, so, I could see the, the alien as like his helper, like the like the butler. I don't know. No, 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 no. It's too much. It, this oh, is it not, is. It is too much. It's You're supposed right. to be riding the line of reality. Right. They put an alien in this. This would have made this movie 10 times worse. Oh, totally. I'm not even going to entertain it. And I don't think any of them wanted to tolerate it. So, you know, they basically said he was obnoxious from the beginning. And that's how bad it got. Oh, no. In fact, jokingly, while getting into bed with the mountain of snakes that Cher famously gets, you know, waken up by. Right. She she basically said, is one of these John Peters? <laughs> So <laughs> there was a, a lot of that going on in the set because he kept interrupting everything. Oh, my God. Uh, Bill Murray was actually originally cast to play Daryl, too. So oh, weird. I can actually see that, too. Like, I could, too. But I think Nicholson plays angry much better. Oh, totally. He plays angry better. But if you look at Scrooged. Yeah. Which came out the next year. Which kind of this movie, it's that humor. Right. It's that humor. If, if he would have done this movie, he wouldn't have done Scrooged. That's true. And I love Scrooge. Oh, so. yeah. That's our holiday jam. Yeah, it is. But, yeah, he I could see him in the part, but I just think Nicholson plays the anger much better. And even Pam Greer is considered to play one of the witches. Oh, weird. You know, they had Kim Cattrall audition for the role of Jane. I could see that. Daryl Hannah turned down a role in the film because of ethical reasons. Ethical so reasons? So I, I think she just wasn't into the whole pagan shit. Oh, okay. Or witchy stuff, you know? Dumb bitch. Oh, <laughs> she was a mermaid forever. Yeah, because that's realistic. <laughs> well, it's not a witch, you stupid bitch. <laughs> anyway, in 1994, there was an interview with Theo Von Gogh what, that Rugger Hauer had been bothering George Miller about being the character of Daryl as well. <laughs> Three times for the character, eventually played by Jack Nicholson, obviously. At one point, Hauer, thinking he was perfect for the role, told Miller, come on, man. You know, and George was like, what the fuck is this guy going on about? Like, <laughs> so he didn't get the role, but he really wanted to play the role. Oh. Um, I mean, you got to have somewhat of an ego to be a good to actor. I yeah. Know. I mean, like, I know. Legitimately, you can't have any any reserves. Oh, yeah, I know. To, to block you from letting unleashing the fury. So mm -hmm. I think that's what people misunderstand about acting is that you really got to have full control of your entire self. Right. If you really want to put out the goods, right? you know, like, I don't know if you have to be a dick necessarily, but you can still be conceited and not be an asshole. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, yeah, that's true. I mean, the things that have been said about Jack Nicholson. Oh, all oh, over the horrible. place. Um, so Cher didn't want to play her role. She was hired for. She was supposed to play Susan Sarandon's role where she plays like the real innocent woman. You uh -huh. know, who's the band teacher? Is she right. the band teacher? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she's the band teacher. And Cher wanted to play that, play Alexandria instead because she was cast for that role. And which she switched the parts at the last minute that the, the production team did. Oh. And they never let Susan Sarandon know until she found out the day she walked on set. Can you imagine practicing oh, all your lines for a month or two? Oh, I'd be so pissed. I would be mad. So this didn't help things between the two of them because they obviously were more lenient with Cher and being her in there, even though there's a lot of stories about her and George Miller that are really funny. Oh, yeah. And I'm about to tell you some more tea on that. So the two actresses, Susan Sarandon and Cher, were not on speaking terms for the first two weeks of production. There was like one tense day of shooting when Cher threatened to quit the film even. And Susan Sarandon brought her a beer. 
<laughs> but they actually sat down and realized all the shady manipulation of John Peters and Peter Goober and that led to the tension of them on set because they never, they wanted that. It's right. almost like they planned it. Joan Crawford and fucking Betty Davis. Yeah. And it's, I'm sure it's very easy to like, start a fire with that kind of shit anyway yeah when you get that many like amazing people in one room they're gonna fight for for a screen attention or scenes or whatever right but yeah the actresses actually ended up becoming really good friends after because of that bond oh that's good. so susan sarandon basically said hey girl let's just chill mm-hmm. so i thought that was cool there wasn't recent. There was an episode of Watch What Happens live on Bravo with Andy, Andy Cohen. Cohen. Yeah, spill that tea. <laughs> yeah, that's spe- where all, that's speaking where, of the tea time. Yeah, he's that's where tea. all the tea comes from. Andy <laughs> Can Cohen. we not say tea anymore? It's it's becoming very great. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyway, Susan Sarandon uh, went on and was. Uh, she said they asked her like, "What was the most unshare thing Cher did on set of Witches of Eastwick?" And she said that she had asked if she could be let out of the scenes where she didn't have a lot of lines. And she said, I have a hard time being in scenes that aren't about me, she reportedly said. Cher furiously denied this on Twitter right (laughs) afterwards. And she said, don't believe Susan Sarandon. And she said later on in a tweet after everybody was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. She said, I love Susan. So I'm sure everything's fine. Oh, Probably just a misunderstanding. It's been 30 years. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or 20 some years at least. Susan might have been trying to stir the pot too, you know. She might have just remembered it that way. You know what I mean? It might have been a bad moment when one of them were filming and she just didn't, misinterpreted it. Right. Anyway, Angelica Houston was auditioned for the role of Alex as well, where who share. Uh, Plays. Yeah. But she was passed over for the part, which eventually went to share. And Houston described her audition as terrible. But, you know, obviously, three years later, she went on to do Witches, right. 1990, which we were talking about. Two movies where Houston was wanted, but she didn't get into, by the way, for the next film, by the way. Oh, really? You'll find out which character, but I'll tell you later. I think we know which character. I'm not going to say. Okay. You can guess when we get to the to the Oh, I will. Okay. So the there was a piece of music that Jack Nicholson plays on the violin. It's called Caprice number no. 16 in G minor by Niccolo Paganini, which of course Paganini. Yes, Paganini's Revenge, Paganini, the we watched that movie Paganini. That's how I know about What is violence. it about, Christina? Can you can you wax poetic with me about what Paganini is? It's about an unplayable violin song. That's a song, but the song is from who? Paganini. The devil. Oh yeah, the devil. The devil makes a deal with Paganini. It's, oh, so that's it's the why. devil went down to Georgia. It's the fucking crossroads movie. It's all of that. That's what that song is all about. Oh. So it is basically, you know, Niccolo Paganini exceptional talent was the result of a deal with the devil that a lot of people said, you know, like one concert goer even said that the, they saw the devil helping Niccolo Paganini play during a performance of Vienna. There's there's paintings of it. If you right. if you watch it, if you've actually seen, you probably seen them. Yeah. But everybody's had their own interpretation of that ever since. Mm-hmm. You know, the Crossroads, Devil Went Down to Georgia. There's been a ton of fucking movies like that. You know. Right. There was a uh, you know Veronica Cartwright's character in the movie where she vomits up all the cherry pits in the movie. Right. Because the girls are all like unbeknownst to them eating cherries constantly because Daryl Keats telling them to eat them. 
So they just constantly are eating them and spitting out the seeds. Well, the seeds are going directly into uh, Cartwright's stomach in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And she starts puking all over the fucking place. A couple times, yeah. There was supposed to be an extended scene of that, by the way. They had a puppet made of her entire body. Really? Where she was going to thrash around and just vomit like all over the fucking place. Oh, my God. Did you notice that it seemed a little cut? Yeah, oh, it was totally cut. When they cut away from the camera? Yeah. That was the scene that it was like when they show her husband in the chair and he's like, are you okay? Right. But oh, we need a director's cut. The reason it was cut is that preview audiences found the sequence too disgusting and were most of the shots involving the puppet were cut out of the film because they said it was too realistic. Oh, my God. And they said that, that it, you know, that makes more sense when I think of, like, him bashing her over the head right. with a fire poker. Right. That makes way more sense if she starts doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Totally. But, you know, I guess he just had enough of his shit, so they figured it worked anyway. Yeah, it did work. I wish they would have kept it, because that was kind of funny. No, or at least on a director's cut. But then, you know, Jack Nicholson does it later on, too, so. Right. And, and you could tell he his face gets, like, really. He sprays the whole fucking church with it, too. That yeah, was... it was great. <laughs> One of the guy's reactions is so pure. Like, he's just like, oh, Jesus Yeah, because he, yeah, he spit up on people, like, yeah, all over on the him. preacher and shit, yeah. all over there. You're church-going people. Why do you think women exist? You know, like, what's the fucking point? <laughs> Industrial Light and Magic, they did that um, scene with the, the tennis ball. Oh, yeah, Which yeah. is really good for its time. Yeah, for its time, it was really good. You know, I mean, that's early 80s. Like, think about that for a second. Well, it's like, mid-80s. Well, I mean, late 80s. I'm sorry. It's 87. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's... You know, we didn't get what was the movie Sherlock Young Sherlock Holmes when they did the stained glass guy jumping out of the window. Mm-hmm. That was like one of the first big CGI things. Mm-hmm. And Industrial Light and Magic did this with the ball, which is pretty pretty yeah. good. You know, like it's you know it's a little obvious, but I mean, if someone did that today, I wouldn't think anything of it. Right. So, but apparently the reason they were only hired to do the scene where it was like floating and stuff, but they were so bad at playing tennis, all of them. <laughs> That they doubled the work because they had to do them playing tennis. Oh, like for real. Exactly. So they just like, they got paid double the amount. Now there's a line in the film where Cher says, big deal. It's not like he's going to get us on David Letterman. Right. It's like one of the first scenes of the movie where the three women discover that they might have like some sort of powers or whatever. Mm -hmm. There was a, it was different in the script. It was actually supposed to be Johnny Carson, but Cher decided to say Letterman because she hated Carson. Right, I remember that. So if you guys don't know this, years earlier, while watching the 1968 presidential election at Jack Benny's house, an aggravated Carson had reprimanded Cher and sent her to the den for making rude jokes about Richard Nixon, (laughs) which, I mean, come on. Right. And after that, she refused to go on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson in 1962, unless a guest was actually hosting. Ah, so she she had some, yeah. some background on it. There was a 2009 television spinoff you mentioned. I never saw it. The Veronica Cartwright was in. Yeah. So weird. I, I vaguely remember it. I remember hearing about it and people right. saying only Veronica Cartwright's in it. When everybody was like, well, what's the fucking point? Well, what's the point of the fucking show? She's kind of awesome. I mean, yeah, but that's, you know, it's about witches and stuff. Well, and if I mean, you don't it, have the girls in there. Then it lasted two, three seasons. And obviously it's other women. It's not those women. Right. So but I'm just saying. I'm sure it's know. just a spinoff, you know, of, of, of the idea, you anyway, know. Anyway, 
Cher actually at one point told Hollywood Reporter a story about how Witches of Eastwick director George Miller gave her a nasty phone call on her 40th birthday right before she was going to be cast in this film. So she said, in the morning, my telephone rang and the man said, hi, Cher, it's George Miller. And I said, hey, George. He was the director, obviously, of this movie. So he said, I I just wanted to call you and tell you that I don't want you in my movie. And Jack Nicholson and I think you're too old and you're not sexy. (laughs) And good morning, 40. She's like, tears started rolling down my face. Oh, my God. She said with a laugh. She said, "Uh, I was heartbroken. I wanted this movie so badly. Usually in Hollywood, if you insult somebody, you just hang up. (laughs) She said, adding that Miller actually was so relentless in his run of insults that he didn't even want to hang up. He just wanted to tell me everything. I hate the way you walk. I hate the way you talk. I don't like the color of your hair. I don't like your eyes. That's when Cher was like, finally like, okay, look, motherfucker. And she's like, yeah, I said the whole thing. (laughs) She's like, you didn't find me under a rock. I was nominated for an Academy Award for Silkwood, and I got a Cannes Film Festival Award for Actress of the Mask. The superstar, exuding confidence on stage and gladiator-inspired leotard, said to resounding applause, so goodbye. (laughs) Ironically, in spite of all of this, Cher appeared in a recent televised Hollywood celebration of Jack Nicholson with all of his leading ladies, and in recent interview in the Daily Mercury, apparently, this is like however long ago, uh, it said the following, Jack Nicholson is the most amazing man the 67-year-old singer and actress is close friends with Jack, 76, and insists he is wonderful to be around because he's just so much fun. Okay. So, obviously, you know, everybody insults everybody in Hollywood, guys. You just get over it because everybody's trying to get up. Well, I don't understand if he called spewing all that at her. George then... probably said, probably misspoke. Okay. But I'm just saying about Nicholson. Oh. Because he said... Jack and I think you're too yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. That's why true. he, that's why I'm saying that. Oh, that breaks my heart. What was she, 40? <laughs> yes, it was her 40th like, birthday. Jesus that's Christ, what she said. Dude, like, he literally called her on her birthday to say that shit to her. This is just, that's how women are treated, though, too. At least I, well, I'm I mean, so have you glad... seen what she's wearing? I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. Whore. <laughs> There's whores in this house. <laughs> Fucking Veronica Cartwright in church. I'm so glad. It's, you know, it's better now. You know what I mean? What is? Like, just the way women are represented. Oh, yeah. They can't get away with that shit no more. No. <laughs> Not as much. Even, I mean, I'm sorry, it still happens. Even in, like, um, all the runways and stuff, because Paris Fashion Week was this week, there's so much, it's so diverse now. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying. so great. I think it, it, it happens no matter what. I think it happens to people even because if. Because of men. It, not just because of them being women. I think it happens to people just because they don't like someone. No, it's because of men. Everything's because oh, okay. of men. <laughs> That's what it is. Okay. Well, yeah, it's, it's true. I'm glad to just be Jerks. the problem. Yeah, you're the problem. Thank you. I'm, I apologize to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, in 2000, the uh, movie was into, they got an award winning West End London stage musical, much like Be- Beetlejuice, by the way. So both of these movies are now musicals. It's funny. Isn't it crazy? And they've both had TV shows, too. Right. Well, animated. One animated. Yeah, one animated. But still, one, it was a show. Yeah. That was a big toy line. I was just, like, looking back at all the toys and stuff that, like, all those things had. Mm-hmm. It, obviously, there was nothing like that for Witches of Eastwick, because this wasn't the target demographic. Right. <laughs> and they don't have toys for middle-aged men and women. <laughs> <laughs> 
they're called dildos, I think, or uh, vibrators, and maybe some other leather gear that you might want to get into, some fuck swings or something. <laughs> we got our fuck swing at the... Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just joking around, guys. Do you have any scenes that you want to mention? That you, What's uh, your favorite scene in this movie? we got to make it quick. Okay, I really liked in the beginning when they like conjured him up and then they made it a big deal about his name and like no one could remember his name and it was like it was like this running thing for like I don't know 15-20 minutes and then like finally it was like starts with a D oh Daryl Daryl Von Horn or something like I like that whole that whole scene literally he's supposed to be the devil not literally technically he's a warlock that's what he was always he was supposed to be in the script but there's so much fucking pointing at them that they summon the devil essentially because of their powers right which you know obviously this is kind of a a play on what you were saying is that when you get a bunch of women together they can control the world exactly and they the men can't get away with all the shit that they want that's that's essentially what they're saying in this movie even though that guy he was created by him in some ways it's like you feel kind of bad for him a little bit even though he's like a creep and he's like crusty he literally there was no other woman he would have never cheated on anybody else with them because he loved them so much because he was made specifically by them to be loved by her them right and so when he loses his mind and like starts going crazy and like trying to give her those fruits or whatever and the rain and like right. all this other stuff. And it's funny because there's that scene where he's like, she's like, shares talking to him. She's like, look, Suki's sick. He's like, all I wanted was a little attention. And all he wanted to do was talk about himself and his feelings. Right. Because that's all that matters. To and men. then she said, uh, she's like, Derek, he's like, I love you. She's like, Daryl, you don't even know what love is. But you can teach me because you know these things. (laughs) There's a lot of really great parts in it, but I really do like a lot of the parts that Veronica Cartwright did. Like the scene in the the church with her and the scene in the church with Jack Nicholson is really great. Mm -hmm. Everything leading up all the way till him getting home and then blowing the doors open with his powers or whatever is just fantastic Mm -hmm. i loved all of it i loved the like whole scene with the the making the The voodoo doll doll Mm -hmm. and just every that whole stretch of like 20 minutes is just fantastic right so that's the best part of the whole film that is the best part is that ending yeah it's 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 once it hits it's the the third act it's it's off to the races you know what i mean so that's that's the best part about it we do have another movie to talk about and obviously this is probably the more popular one amongst everybody and that is beetlejuice 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 Uh oh he's here it's murray he's angry so beetlejuice 1988 you can check this out on rent for only 3.99 or if you probably already own it because most people do we have like three different copies of it i think somewhere we have the the H- we have it on 4K. Yeah, we have 4K, so that's why we wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. Christina got it with one of her like my points at work. Yeah, the the accrued points she got over you ten know, my, years. My pizza party. Yeah. Hey, you're a good employee. Instead of a bonus, we're gonna give you a movie. Here's these points that you can use <laughs> on these array of things that are under fifteen dollars. Yes. So this movie is about the spirits of a deceased couple named the Maitlands, who are pretty homely nice types who are harassed by an unbearable family that has moved into their home after their death they're trapped there and they need to get those people out in order to live the rest of their days as a ghost so they hire a malicious spirit by the name of beetlejuice don't say his name three times to drive them out of their home tagline say it once say it twice 
but we dare you to say it three times. Ooh. Here's another one. He's guaranteed to put some life in your afterlife spinning head. Okay. <laughs> okay. He's the ghost with the most. That's the one. That's the tagline you heard in the movie trailer, I think. Yeah. One of the other taglines is, in this house, if you've seen one ghost, you haven't seen them all. Yikes. The name in laughter from the hereafter. It's <laughs> horrible. God, how many fucking taglines were there? Well, there's probably a lot of boxes. I mean, this movie over the years. Yeah, yeah. this movie's very popular. It's, by the way, the cover of this movie was so popular that there's only one country that ever changed the box art. Wow. And it was Japan. And it's huh. mind blowing what they fucking did with it. Yeah. Terrible. It makes no sense. I wouldn't have rented that movie. It looked like a fucking disaster. <laughs> anyway, this is directed by Tim Burton, of course, who did Edward Scissorhands, Batman, Big Fish, Mars Attacks, and more. It's written by Michael McDowell, who did the story, the original novel, and screenplay. He wanted to start writing, you know, for screenplays, and this is one of the ideas he had. He wrote the Stephen King segment, The Word processor of the gods and tales from the dark side in fact he did 11 episodes of tales from the dark side Jeez. and he did one segment in the movie as well he also did one episode of tales from the crypt and two episodes of monsters and that was all what he did before he went on to do the nightmare before christmas which was an adaptation that he did from tim burton's story mm -hmm. he developed into a screenplay, screenplay. yeah mm -hmm. he also did thinner as a matter of fact too so he was a fan of stephen king and tim burton we also have Warren Scarin, who played, who did the screenplay basically with him. He was an unaccredited writer on Top Gun, believe it or not. Beverly Hills Cop 2, he did, and Batman with Tim Burton. Of course. We also have Larry Wilson, who apparently got a story credit in here. I guess he must have helped out Michael McDowell somehow. He actually wrote the Adams Family movie. He did five episodes of Tales from the Crypt and a movie called The Little Vampire. Oh. Some of the cast in this movie, I'm going to go through these as quick as possible. Alec Baldwin, who is Adam Maitland. We know who he is, so I tried to pick some of the more genre-specific titles that he's done. He did Malice, The Shadow, An Imperfect Murder, and Andron. Andron? What the I never heard that? of it. It's a sci-fi weird one. <laughs> oh. A newer one, I guess. This is pre, you know, he didn't right. do any... Yeah, this is like all stuff he's done over the years, I guess. You got Gina Davis, who did... She plays Barbara Maitland. She was in Thelma and Louise, A Long Kiss Goodnight, Quick Change that I always talk about, Earth Girls Are Easy, The Fly, Transylvania 65000. The first season of The Exorcist. Yeah, she's the mom. Mm -hmm. Michael Keaton also in this movie, obviously, for about 14 minutes and 15 or 50 seconds, something like that. Mm hmm he plays Beetlejuice, which you'd think he a movie titled I by him, he'd be in a lot more of it. But no, he's just so good. And mm -hmm. he, you know, that 14 Takes minutes over. packs a punch. Uh, he was in Batman, obviously, White Noise, Mr. Mom, Johnny Dangerously, Birdman, Multiplicities, Pacific Heights, which I really like him in, The Founder, Spider-Man Homecoming. Did, oh. did you know that he got his start in acting by playing a black and white panda, like a life-size right. human bear size on Mr. Rogers? Oh, that's interesting. He also didn't intend it. He was actually one of the produce, a production assistant on the show. Oh, and, oh, that's probably how he got into acting. Huh? Yeah, that's how he got it. That was his first that's thing. Crazy. I never knew that. I didn't either. It's crazy. There's pictures of him, you know, like dressed right. like a production assistant. You know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. 
Uh, Catherine O'Hara's in here, obviously, who plays Delia Dietz, who moves into the house as the mom. She's obviously Kevin's mom as well in Home Alone. She did some SCTV back in the day. It's a comedy show. She also does the voice of Sally in Shock in the Nightmare Before Christmas. She does Best in Show, Six Feet Under, and your favorite, Christina. Shit's Creek. She plays... Um... Marla. And she's really good at it. God, she's so good. She plays like a version of Delia in a way, but like the older version of Delia. But like the Ivanka Trump Trump Delia. Yeah, like way in the future, like overly spoiled brat kind of. Jeffrey Jones is in this movie. He is Charles Dietz, her husband. He was in Amadeus, Howard the Duck, Ferris Bueller, Mom and Dad Save the World. Stay tuned. I love all these movies, by the way. Transylvania 65000, House Guest, and more. Uh, we have some stuff to talk about well, with him. Which I yeah, found out. Oh I found out some good and bad news about that. I but can't even look at him. <laughs> you'll see. You'll find out. We also have Winona Ryder who plays Lydia Dietz. Obviously, this boosted her career tenfold. She had done Lucas, which was her first role. Mm-hmm. She was in obviously Stranger Things now, Haunted Mansion, the new movie that came out, Little Women. Edward Scissorhands, Lucas, like I said, her first movie. Heather's, Ram Stoker's Dracula, Reality Bites, Alien Resurrection, A Scanner so Darkly. So many, oh my God. And so many more. We got Glenn, Glenn Shaddix, who plays Otho, who is the mayor's voice in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. He was also in Heather's. He played the preacher. Yep. He was in Carnival as one of the people in town, I think. I don't remember. He was a pretty decent part. Mm-hmm. He was also in Sleepwalkers, Demolition Man. Do you remember in that? Yes, I remember that movie. Yeah, he was the assistant. That's right. He also did a lot of voice work for Ah, Real Monsters, Dinosaurs, The Mask, The, Mask, the Jim Carrey one, <laughs> Animated. <laughs> He, he played Lottie the Shark, not oh the kid, God. not the mask. No, okay, 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 <laughs> Alex. He was also, he did the voice for Zorro, the animated TV show, Cow and Chicken, and, and a lot more. Mm-hmm. He did pass away, and at his funeral, mm-hmm. do you want to know what the song they played? Oh, my God. Uh, jump in the line. That yes. Does, yes, we'll get into that did. later. But <laughs> budget is $15 million and estimated, you know. Because they did have to market this piece. But the gross it made was $74,664,000. Opening weekend, it made $8 million, And gross worldwide, it made $74,714,000. Plus. Yeah. So it made a lot of money. Yeah, all the merchandise now. Dude, oh my they God. made so much money off this movie. It's ridiculous. It's like a Disney property. Well, it <laughs> is now, technically. Oh, yeah. Is it? Uh, Yeah, I think. It was Warner Brothers or something? Warner Brothers, and then yeah. Fox bought that. Yeah, I th- I don't know. I think it is, but I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know. Disney owns, like, Tim Burton, so. I don't think they own Warner Brothers. I thought Sony, I don't know. Sony owns Warner Brothers. I don't know. Anyway, Beetlejuice is a movie that we're going to talk about now. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that. about that? I know. Anyway, Christina, what do you, uh, what do you think of, of this film? Of course. It's a classic. We don't even need to fuck talk like our thoughts on it. You yeah, know? we do. We need to talk I about it. I saw this movie as a kid. I was eight years old when this movie ca- came out. If Alex knows my mom, my mom does not like movies. Like she's not a movie person at all. She fucking loves this movie. Yeah, this like, is the Nightmare Before Christmas. Before Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh yeah, to- like this, this is the totally. goth kid's favorite movie. Yeah, g- dream because yeah. there was nothing like it at the time. Like nothing. Just the whole, just right. the creative aspect of it. Not just that, but I love 
the the just the theory of the ghosts in this movie and how they're portrayed and yeah and and especially like the time factor of the ghosts sure. like them trying to explain things and then the breaking of dimensional stuff I love oh I, that yeah. is so cool and just how they they perceive that I just think is so cool those are important things I think in a lot of movies to make a movie that is a small because this is a tiny movie really if you think about it it is a smaller budget movie than than you would think yeah think think it was because right. of all just the the simple little things in the movie just like the the the, the thought to have a handbook for the the dead recently deceased recently deceased or whatever like that that is, is so cool and i love how like the living people are like the weird people and the ghosts like they don't want it like they they don't want to be ghosts they don't want to hurt the living people you know what i mean i think i, I like the style in it too oh yeah all the artistry in it that he did like oh, yeah. it's got that like he does that thing again with the the nuclear family he's got mm-hmm. that 50s thing that is stuck in his head right and he mixes it with some sort of twisted carnival stuff yeah and it just looks really cool it does look cool and of like, course it's like set in a small town set design you know, amazing the, it, the set design's amazing in this um and then again like you were saying i love how beetlejuice is like barely even in, in this fucking movie but like when he is in a scene it's like his scene like all the oh, yeah. all the other actors like you don't even realize that it's his there. movie it's his movie oh yeah it's totally his movie and he was he did so good with the character and just yeah like he totally takes over like yeah. and no one else can outdo him even gina davis like when she's in a scene with him i mean you i mean you can see like you can see her but it's like you know, he just completely is overwhelming. Everybody does great in this movie. Yeah, but it's a great story. And the musical choices in this, I mean, they are kind of weird. You wouldn't think, like, yeah. sitting at the table and that song playing. But I think that's really, like, Pee Wee Herman inspired. Sure. Like, that kind of... Well, he did that, you know, Elfman did that song. And he did um, music for Pee Wee's yeah, Big Adventure. Yeah. And Tim Burton also worked on that, so... right. Right. Well, yeah, the background music, but the actual songs. That's why they wanted him to get this movie. But the actual songs they played, like, from other artists in the movie, like, it is weird that those were the songs chosen. But it makes sense because the ghosts didn't know what the fuck they were doing. I got a piece on that, so I don't want to spoil it yet. But yeah, he had a vision. Exactly. So I uh, 8 out of 10, of course, you know. Oh, I I think mine might be higher than that. Okay, what's yours? I, you know, growing up seeing this, I watched this all the time as a kid growing up, you know, and I think I've kind of watched it so much that I've kind of like let it kind of distance itself from me a little bit. So rewatching it again this time, it's just so, there's so many great fun things about it. I honestly think this is probably like, if you think about it for me, at least it is one of, I think Tim Burton's best movies. Like I know a lot of people love Edward Scissorhands. I mean, he did Wednesday. He's got like you know just this myriad of stuff behind him that he's done that I think a little bit of everybody can kind of enjoy. You know, I don't love everything that Tim Burton does. Okay, no, he kind of has like pinned himself into a corner where it's almost like okay, this is what you get with Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. But I still think the one of the epitome of him is probably Edward Scissorhands and this movie. Yeah. Because this is the the earlier stuff too, right? I think Big Fish is probably his biggest opus mm-hmm. emotionally. Oh, that movie! That movie tore my heart, man. Yeah, and it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I think that's his. I think that's his big 
big thing. I know he did Dumbo and all these other things. Yeah, but it, it kind of got to a point, like, I stopped liking him because he all he was really doing was, like, remaking things yeah, just adjusting his sti- yeah. to his style. He would just slap a like, Tim Burton coat over it. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, ugh, God, just stop, dude. Right. You kind of wanted him to change things up. But I don't know. There's just this blend with this movie that is just like comedy. Keaton in it is just amazing. Even he didn't even realize what he had in him for this movie when he did this. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't even seeing it. You know, like when they asked him to do it, he was just like, what the fuck? Like, why do you want me to do this? You know, like, and it is really out there for Keaton to do, but he was really popular at the time. And, uh, I'll explain how that happened in the trivia. You're going to want to stick around for the trivia in this. There's a lot of really stu- stuff I didn't even know uh-huh. that I dug deep and found. So, um, yeah, there's, uh, I don't know, there's a lot to like. Yeah, obviously, you might be too young to really appreciate it. But I think if you really kind of just, like, get into the spirit of it, I think this movie is just, like, a timeless classic. I think, you know, it's like an 8.5 or a 9 out of yeah, 10 for totally. me. Like, I think, you know, like, obviously, everybody's going to like it to varying degrees. Maybe they've seen it too much. Maybe they're too tired of Tim Burton. It's kind of held up, too. It has. It really has. Like, if you think about what they did in this movie, all the different things that they do in the background of the movie, the ideas of everything, the collaboration all together on how this came together is an amazing story in itself. And, like, the people who worked on it are all famous now, you know? Like, this is, like, a movie that, like, was a huge stepping stone for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously... For fucking Winona Ryder, this fucking launched her career. Mm-hmm. You can some people could oh. say Lucas, but this is the movie that did oh, it. Oh no, yeah, because after that she was just in everything, everything she was working with, everyone. Right. Yeah. Everybody wanted her in it because everybody wanted to be like her. Until she stole, she started shoplifting. <laughs> yeah, right. Know? For the purses, right? For Mark Jacobs, you know. <laughs> But, you know, she turned herself around. Yeah. She got on Stranger Things. And now she's like she's, that lady in Breaking Bad that's like always stealing the, the FBI guy. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. But now she actually, she models for Mark Jacobs, who she stole from. Right. I know. I heard about that. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, I, I really like this movie. I think it's a it's a good one. It may, you know, maybe people are worn out from it. Maybe they're worn out from Tim Burton. But I still think this is an ultimate classic. They, at the time, there was nothing like it. Right. And there's there's so many different things that are thrown into this that are so different and so unique and so, like, awesome. You're going to be blown away by some of the stuff that I found out in this movie. Oh, let's go. Let's go. But, yeah, so you said 8 out of 10. I gave it an 8.5 or a 9. I'm going to say 8.5. So... 8.25. Yeah, 8.25 between... Oh, Jesus. I'm trying to do the math. You're, like, spitting shit out. Anyway, yeah, 8.25 between the two of us. So, yeah, we do have some great trivia. So, I mean, you've obviously already seen it. So this is the best part for you anyway. If you want to check it out, you can actually go check the movie out uh, by renting it or buying it. The 4K copy we had looked amazing. Just flying over the town. Oh, yeah. In the beginning of the movie, which is even a a zoomed in shot. It's a model. No, no, no. The the very beginning of the very beginning. It's the model. It's the model of the town. I don't remember. There was a shot that was real that was over. It wasn't just a model of Overtown. Okay. I'm pretty sure of that. And you got me second guessing myself. But anyway, it all looked really good if you're curious about the 4K. I'm sure it's cheap now for as far as 4Ks go. So if you want to pick it up. Do it. Yeah. But if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. So this is going to take some time, guys. So buckle the fuck up. I'm buckled. Let's go. So Beetlejuice was named... 
after the ninth brightest star of the Orion constellation because there's a planet called Beetle or system called Beetlejuice. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's actually okay. where the name came from. Um, they originally were going to call this movie House Ghost. Okay. Which Burton jokingly said, "Well, why don't we just call it Scared Sheetless?" <laughs> and the and the and they were like, "That's great." And he was like, "No, no, 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 I was just kidding." <laughs> so, but he put his foot down. Warner Brothers almost actually called it Scared Sheetless. <laughs> but he said Beetlejuice is better, so but before Burton came to t- you know change up the film and the script, this had a completely different tone to it. Yeah. Michael, Michael McDowell was a novelist who wanted to write stories for the big screen, and after seeing Ghostbusters and Poltergeist, he really wanted to create his own sort of supernatural lore mm-hmm. in the in the film space. And the original story was, and get this, this is, it was going to be full on horror, like the likes of which would be something akin to a Nightmare on Elm Street, even had. Wes Craven was going to direct this fucking movie, huh? Uh, but he turned it down. But Beetlejuice was going to be this winged demon that wanted to murder the Dietz family and, and not just scare <laughs> them off. Like the demon would shapeshift into a Middle Eastern guy from time to time. And Ooh. that would be the parts where he would talk like, you know, regular, like, you know, uh-huh. but he would mostly be a winged demon flying around. That's why he flies around a lot of times. Oh, okay. Now, Tim Burton came in and and whitened, I mean, lightened up the film a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it's a little joke there, okay. (laughs) Now, originally, when they shopped the script around, apparently Universal fucking hated it, and they told the producer that he's throwing his career away by wanting to do it. And that wasn't until David Geffen actually from Geffen Records saw it and loved it. And he wanted Wes Craven to direct it, but Wes Craven didn't want to do it. So at the time, Burton was getting a lot of comedy scripts to direct because he had done Pee-wee's Big, Pee-wee's Big Adventure and a lot of people loved it. And which he kept passing on all these comedies, including one of the ones that he almost got was Hot to Trot. Which, if you remember, was that Bobcat Goldthwait movie where he befriends a talking horse played by John Candy, no and they idea. go to the races. Doesn't sound amusing. Yeah, it is. It's it's actually kind of funny. I like Bobcat. I mean, I haven't seen it in a while. I think it's on Prime if you guys want to check it out. But he turned that down, which is a good idea because it wasn't a great movie. But he turned that down and got the script for Beetlejuice, and it, of course, signed on. But he also wanted to change it up. Like I said, he wanted to lighten it up, lighten the mood up, not make it such a horror movie, make it more of a fun comedy and, and make it more lively. And he did so by adding Danny Elfman, obviously, to the mix for doing the music mm-hmm. and Calypso to the soundtrack with Deo. Mm-hmm. Deo! Deo! Which, adding new music was very popular at the time, so anything that was out at the time... Oh, yeah. Was like, hey, put this in the movie. Like, right. go, like Ghostbusters did the same thing. And right. It's like any movie, any song they would just put in there. But he kind of went against the grain a little bit and put the Deo stuff, the Calypso music, and this other stuff in it right. that, that wasn't popular at the time and made it popular. Oh, totally made that popular. That's a person with a vision. Yeah. Okay. That's someone that like knows what will work, and they don't need to use like the easy gains of like 
new music right i mean if you look at some of the batman films holy shit dude oh I they know. tried to do those songs that would like fit into there with prince yeah there was the and, prince yeah. one there was another one for uh, for all the movies they pretty right. much had something but this just kind of worked and it, it went so far against the grain back then it just works and it was all about you know i don't know it's just something about that song really made it so memorable it made this movie a classic Mm-hmm. because of that scene and then they did it at the end of the movie as well they, right they play it again because they wanted you to have just a good time on the way out as well Jumping which you know as line. a horror fan you know i like the idea of a, a serious beetlejuice where he's like murdering people <laughs> but in the same regard like i totally get it you know like this made it a bigger movie in the in the end yeah i don't think danny elfman was thinking money i think he just likes that style yeah, you know, he, he likes to create. Right, he wasn't trying to appeal to a bigger audience because right. they didn't really have that many people breathing down their neck when they made this. Danny Elfman talked about that in great detail mm-hmm. uh, from to GQ recently when they asked him about the new Beetlejuice movie that he's going to be redoing. Mm-hmm. And I got some stuff on that we'll talk about here in a second. But that scene is probably as memorable, if not more, than the Queen song in Wayne's World. You know, which everybody always remembers. And it Bohemian was like Rhapsody. the Bohemian Rhapsody song. There's a couple of movies that just do that. They yeah. just, they use this song that they wasn't. transform a, it. Yeah, it turns it into this whole new movie. It, it's mm-hmm. like you just fall in love with it. You know what I mean? So it was, that's like I said, that scene was so popular that they actually played it at Otho, you know, Glenn Shattuck's funeral. So, mm-hmm. um, which everybody was, of course, probably crying. And, but, right. Uh, speaking of the score, though, on GQ, Danny Elfman was recently talking about the score and he had read the script like when he got the script back in the 80s early. So he got the script that was like the horror one. Mm -hmm. So he didn't really know 100% what was going on. I think it was like a revised script. So it had more Beetlejuicey stuff in it, more funny comedy stuff. Mm -hmm. But he had written this whole fucking thing out. And since Michael Keaton pretty much ad-libbed 90% of his fucking dialogue. Oh my God. He didn't know the energy that that Keaton was bringing. Uh So he said he wrote this wonderful score, and he said as soon as he watched the movie, he threw it away. Oh, and he had to start over. He started from scratch. Uh Uh-huh. And he said... My God. He saw the energy that Keaton brought to the movie, Mm -hmm. and he's like, we got to have something more energetic. Right. So he did. Mm -hmm. And that's where... Which is totally, you can never forget it once you hear it. The funny thing about that song is, is that he said, he said, it was like, oh, this is not the movie I had imagined in my head. He's like, I want to match his energy. And he's like, Tim was really cool about it. Tim Burton to him. So he said, just run amok, dude, have fun. Mm-hmm. Because like he said, there was no pressure from all these people because it was a small enough film. It was more right. independent film because of Geffen Records that they got to do whatever the fuck they wanted to. Mm-hmm. which I, you know, I think is a, is a formula that I think some of the studios are starting to catch on to. <laughs> yeah. Right. Some of them. Well, no, cause control Alex. Yeah, I know, but I don't know. He said it was insanely hard to play and that the, 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 the brass section, the tubas and everything <laughs> were having a really <laughs> fucking hard time playing that because he said that, you know, there's this thing. It's like, bump, 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 bump. Bum, 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 uh-huh. bum. And he said there's this thing where you can kind of like off do it. I think it's called staccato. Mm-hmm. But where you're like, unka, 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 unka. He's like, no, 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 no. That's not how you do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, 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 uh. Like, 
but you have to like breathe in and breathe out so quick to do right. it sharply instead of like kind of blending it like mm-hmm. they did. So he said that there was a conductor, a British conductor that was going to do like a, a greatest hits album of like his work or something or of, of movies mm-hmm. that they were going to put together. And the conductor like read it and was like, this is unplayable and threw it on the ground. <laughs> and Danny Elfman said, I fucking loved hearing shit like that at the time. Right. He's like, because we had so much control to do whatever the fuck we wanted, we didn't have anybody breathing down our necks telling us that we had to write music a specific way that it was today. Right. He's like, I like to bounce my fucking music off of the 40s, the 50s, and like a little punk thrown in with my own style. And he's like, that's how I've always like written my music. And he's like, it's been years since I've been able to write stuff exactly like that. Mm -hmm. He said, with Edward Scissorhands and this movie... Those were his most favorite cherished moments because it was there was no oversight over what he was doing. Uh-huh. And he said now that he's back to do Beetlejuice 2, he's in heaven. He's in heaven because mm-hmm. he's like I finally get to go back to it and really do it up. And I think this is what my my theory is, is that you know, that he's going to do a lot more with the music for for this movie is going to be very Beetlejuice centric. The sequel. Well, I hope so. I think it's going to be more him than not. Is Michael Keaton in it? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's definitely uh, on board. I'll tell you more about who's in it in a second, but okay. I think that's going to be the key thing is that they're going to make it more of a Beetlejuice-centric movie mm-hmm. because there's some things in the, in the in the IMDb that I'll go over in a little bit once we get through some of this. But there was a different ending, okay? Apparently, the original script had Lydia, the goth girl, singing, When a man loves a woman. Okay. Like the original version or like a remake version of it, which is super odd. Even the guy that I saw that was like talking about the like things you didn't know about this movie was like, yeah, goth girls always listen to stuff like that. Like, well, the, she was dancing to that one music. The Calypso? The, yeah. Like they yeah, but maybe know. she just liked it because he made her like it. But this was supposed to be in place of that song. Mm-hmm. So that's why Danny Elfman put this song, put Deo in. Right. So guess who almost played Lydia? Who? A slew of women. <laughs> Tell me. Okay. So Sarah Jessica Parker. Weird. Right. Molly Ringwald. No. She's I, too old. This was at 80. Yeah. This is 87 when they yeah, were making this movie. Yeah, she was too old. I don't think so. She was like late teens. When did she do 20s? fucking the... Like 83. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Lori Lori Laughlin was also going to be in Who's this. That? Lori Laughlin, I don't know. She was famous <laughs> at the time. I saw her picture. I knew who she was. I just don't. Oh, okay. Remember what movie she's in? One of those faces. In. Yeah, Brooke Shields. Okay. Diane Lane, Justine Bateman, and Jennifer Connelly. Oh. Hmm. Even Juliette Lewis auditioned. Oh wow. But Ryder got the job because Burton was a big fan of her in the movie Lucas, like I oh, mentioned. Oh, okay. So he was like. Plus, I mean, she really did make goth. But I could see uh, Juliette Lewis oh, doing yeah. it. But you'll never guess who Burton wanted to play Beetlejuice. Bill Murray. No. <laughs> no. Johnny Depp. <laughs> okay. He loves the 40s and the 50s, right? Vincent Price. Who was in the Rat Pack? Frank Sinatra. Nope. Close. We're getting there. Who else? I don't know. Sammy who? Davis Jr. It's weird. Which we were literally just talking about <gasps> in the movie Messiah. That's right. The uh, yeah. Messiah of Evil. Right. 
who was in that other film, the right. West Goes the West or something, whatever. He wanted Sammy Davis Jr. He wanted Sammy Davis Jr. to do the part, which that ought to put a few people's concerns about him not wanting representation in his movies to right. rest. Right, Because it was his choice to do that. And I, mean, did- I, I don't know if that means he's not racist or not. I'm just saying yeah. that it, it doesn't, I don't think that he, it's a, an intentional thing maybe because he tried to make that work like really bad. Truth, the truth is, is that Burton has always done been into perverting the nuclear family and all of his stories you know mm-hmm. he's got that like nuclear family perversion thing on the brain if you look at edward scissorhands especially you've got frank and weenie even right. even some of his newer work always goes back to that he likes even dumbo goes back to the you know what i mean like it's all this i don't know it's just this weird sort of like nostalgia for that time in in a weird way which is concerning for some people um but i honestly I think part of the reason that they didn't do it is the producers just did not want him. Mm -hmm. And you could say whatever you want about that. But I wonder, you know, how Sammy Davis Jr. would have done. Like, I feel like he would have done it with like a like a top hat and he would have been kind of like a wicked Tony Todd did in Hatchet where he played the like Mm -hmm. Louisiana fucking like. Yeah, I don't know. Voodoo guy that he did. Mm hmm. Uh, I feel like it was that's what he was kind of thinking is like because there was that voodoo daddy style right back in the day that was kind of calypso y, mm-hmm. you know, where they had the jazz th- kind of thing. But even though he was a singer and stuff, so he probably figured he could sing songs mm-hmm. and he wanted him to sing in, in the movie probably too. Right. Who knows? You know what I mean? But I feel like he could have done like a, a Tony Todd version of that Hatchet movie, but a little bit more whimsical and smooth. You know, uh-huh. but they they also tossed around using Dudley Moore and even Sam Kennison to do it. So <laughs> who's Sam? Who's, oh, who's that? Oh, oh, oh the, the no. fucking stand up oh comedian. <laughs> Gross. Um, but yeah, Dudley Moore was the guy from Arthur. You remember him? Yeah. Who? What's his name? It's, it's in trouble lately. Speaking of like women stuff, <laughs> women stuff. Russell Brand played Arthur in the oh, remake. God. Oh, that's right. Uh, but anyway, it was David Geffen who basically suggested Michael Keaton. So, which Burton didn't even quite like the idea at first. So mm-hmm. he was like, I don't know, man. He's like, but worked you know, out he, for both of them because he made him Batman. They, yeah, he actually met with him and they became fast friends like immediately. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Michael Keaton wasn't sure about it either. He was like, I don't think I'm the right fit here for his Tim. Mm-hmm. But they just got along so well. He just knew that it was something special between the two of them to work together. Mm-hmm. And he liked him so much that he was just like, fuck it. Right. Let's just do it. And he, he really wasn't sure, you know, like what Tim wanted or what the, you know, the, the, what he was trying to explain. But it was actually Michael Keaton's idea to try to come up with the look first mm-hmm. so he could find the character of Beetlejuice so that he knew what he was going to be doing when he when he went. It's showtime. Right, yeah, when it was showtime, exactly. So he wanted the, the hair to look like it was, like, electrocuted and there was mold growing on his face. That was Keaton's idea. Mm-hmm. And he said that, that that he kind of borrowed a little bit from Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Oh, I see that. Which you can kind of get a vibe of in that. Yeah. Um, Because he's just so all over the place like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I can kind of see that. It's like it's like I don't know. Keaton spent about two weeks trying to fucking iron that out, and he got it done in about two weeks. Sprinkled in this movie. So you know, I wonder if, like I said, in part two, they're gonna make him like like a big portion, like seventy percent of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, 
like it's going to be from his side. His origin story. I don't think it's his origin no, story. I'm no, I'm kidding. And I have a little a little bit of deets on that, which I know it's, you know, we know that the sequel's happening and this is minor spoilers for part two based on the IMDb page. There's nothing more there. Some of it's speculation. Just fair warning because I know some people are very sensitive to this, but we know that Winona Ryder as Lydia returns. We know that Keaton's going to be back as Beetlejuice. Delia, the mom, is going to be back. So what's her name? Catherine O'Hara. Okay. And Monica Bellucci is his wife? Beetlejuice's wife? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That means that he got out somehow if he's married. I don't know if it makes a difference if he's married to a dead woman or a live woman. We don't know what she is though, so right. We'll have so to see. she's played a she's played a bad guy in a couple of movies recently. She played right. a villain in that Australian film Necromantics or whatever Necro something mm-hmm. that was like the bizarre wild colors that looked like Tron. Uh huh. Do you know which one I'm talking about? No. <laughs> but yeah, she was the the bad guy in that. So I'm kind of curious what what that's going to be like. And you know, you got people like Willem Dafoe that are in it. Mm-hmm. The 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 lady who sold the house. Right. Jane. She's in it. it. Yeah. And the whole town is like, you know, really excited to have the movie back because we were watching all the TikToks and stuff. So it's really interesting. So the the town actually was set in Winter River in the movie, but it's actually like Winter River, Connecticut, by the way. But it's actually shot in East Corinth, which is a tiny town in Burham, New England, which Mm -hmm. they also, you know, like I said, the shot for the sequel. All the TikToks were talking about it because there were like people in the town just doing TikToks as they were driving up the hill and stuff, as they were building the, the, the house, because the house was all recreated. Right. Because even in the first movie, it was a fake house. Yeah. They, they had to make the house. They do that a lot. Right. And then they did the same thing for this for this movie as well. Right. But it's very nostalgic to some of the people in the town. In the first movie, a lot of people were not happy, but it ended up working out because Tim Burton was such a nice guy to everybody, mm-hmm. and they ended up liking it. But there was a lot of people that were opposed to it at first. Mm-hmm. But now it's like kind of a staple of the community. It's a really small town. Mm-hmm. So um, didn't they have, oh yeah, you said, remember, they had people stealing from the set. Right. That was like news all over the place. Yeah. It was like right at the beginning people of the strike. were stealing props and shit. Right before the strike, right? I don't know. Something like that. They were stealing props from the house and places. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. Uh, also, Jeffrey Jones, who plays the father in this, he doesn't return to the sequel. And uh, it might be because he has a little bit of controversy uh, over him. And I used to love this guy a lot in this movie, as well as Howard the Duck, Ferris Bueller, Mom and Dad Save the Earth, Stay Tuned he's great in. It's just, he has a, a very storied life, one that includes some pretty questionable stuff that did get dismissed, by the way. So following leads in an investigation of Paul Rubens, by the way, the late Paul Rubens. Yes. Pee Wee Herman Jones was arrested in 2002 for possession of child pornography and soliciting a 14 year old boy to produce sexually explicit images between September 2000 and May 2001. Gross. He supposedly photographed the child, paid him to pose nude on multiple occasions, wearing a cowboy hat with stuffed animals and dressed as a Native American. Oh my God. Jones surrounded himself and was released on Jones surrendered sur- Jones surrendered himself and was released on bond prior to arraignment. Jones pleaded not guilty to the possession charge and no contest to a charge of soliciting a minor. 
Okay. So uh, the victim- It hasn't been seen since. Yeah. The victim initiated a separate civil action against Jones seeking damages and compensation. The misdemeanor charge of possession of child pornography was dropped following the no contest plea. His attorney emphasized that there was no allegation of improper physical contact. His punishment was five years probation, counseling, and the requirement of a registered sex offender. As of 2021, Jones was listed in the California Department of Justice National Offender Database. Sex offender. Yep. So he's still acting, though. I looked it up. He is. Yeah, he's done a few roles. Um, huh. Yeah, so he, he didn't say that he was... He did say that he was no contest to charge of soliciting a minor. Right. Still. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross. It's really kind of... Fucking- you're making me have flashbacks of my jury duty. It's not one I wanted to talk about, guys, but Jesus, I had to, okay? We got a little bit more, and then we'll close this bitch up. But uh, let's see here. The end of the movie, there's there's a test screenings that they had that, that wanted to get the movie changed. Originally, Beetlejuice was supposed to be banished to the, to the Maitland's model home, you know, with the uh-huh. sandworms living on that same model, constantly attacking him. But fans thought it was too harsh, and so they huh. re- reshot it. With a not so harsh ending of his head getting shrunk, which is by the funny, voodoo guy next great. to yeah, which is perfect ending to the yeah, movie. Yeah, and they switched the numbers, and he, yeah, it was a great hey, ending. Hey, hey, what's happening? <laughs> hey, I think I can get used to this. It might be my new look or something like that. <laughs> He's in the waiting room, which is great. It reminds me. Um, Otho says, "You know what they say about people who commit suicide in the it's afterlife? <laughs> they become civil, civil servants. servants, which is such a cool." little bit of lore in this yeah. movie because everybody that's working in the afterlife suicide like there was a guy hung the guy who the receptionist yeah the, showed her wrist till i had my little accident. accident yeah if i knew what i knew then i wouldn't have had my little accident and everybody laughs yeah. <laughs> but how did the guy kill himself with the fucking bone in his throat i don't know, maybe jumped in something or maybe it's because he died from gluttony i don't know would that be a that's a sin i don't know it's uh, maybe just look cool, so they put it in there. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because he had his like yeah. throat all fucked up, like yeah. with the bib on. Right. And then the girl got cut in half with the fucking. But I yeah, guess. Yeah, but she was she's waiting. She's not a servant. Yeah, yeah, right. She was just waiting. So the theory is that is like well, of course we know that Beetlejuice was a intern she, for, for Juno. Right. And he was trying to do his own form of scaring people off. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed to like help people, but because it's like the governmental version. They're not really good at their job. Right. And of course, Beetlejuice wants to go privatized and do his own scare <laughs> business. So supposedly, a lot of people theorize that he hung himself or he says so but because he's 600 years old. That's how we know mm-hmm. that something happened. So he lived through the plague. He lived through. Right. He, he went to Harvard, that. you know, which was in the late 1800s or something like that. Right. Late 1800s. Something like that. But there was like some theories about some of like where he came from and why he is what he is. And now he's not such a bad guy, but he's kind of a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's that like kind of in between. No, he's a bad guy, but he's stupid. Kind of. But he's, he's smart, too. So I don't know. Like, no, he's one of those charmers. He's his ego is bigger than his. Yeah, exactly. He lets his, his ego get in his way. The ego gets in the way. Yeah. The failed narcissist. I love that. Like, you know. There's that guy that's flattened on the wire, and he's like the the guy that's like kind of like introducing them into the right to the go realm. talk to Juno or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I figured that that guy probably threw himself into traffic. Yeah, exactly. 
You know what I mean? Like, that's how he died. Mm-hmm. You got the guy with the noose and all the people that tell, like, I don't know what there was, just skeletons typing and stuff. But when they go to talk to Juno, did you notice that there was, like, a window behind the Maitlands? Right. Did you see what was back there? No, I don't remember. So. What's back there? There's, like, a couple of skeletons, like, looking like they're on a date. Mm-hmm. There's a guy with, like, black glasses in the background. It's, oh, that's just staring at them. Yes. Yeah, I remember. It and was, I was thinking that when I watched this version specific, specifically because it's 4K. Mm-hmm. So I saw it more clear this time than I think I've ever seen it. So I was like staring at the background and I come to find out that that's like a meta thing that they put in the movie. Like either it's a theorized thing or some people think it is, but that's an audience watching Beetlejuice. Oh. In the nether yeah, realm. Yeah, because it did look like a... Uh, it's yeah, a theater. It looked like a theater. Because the seats go up. Right. So that's the that's the the, the people watching in the theater <laughs> while... Watching that. We're on the other side watching, watching it that it. way. Oh, it was supposed to be... that's creative. Yeah, I thought that was like a really like cool mm. little thing there. There's also... Before they made the movie, Lydia was supposed to die, actually. Mm-hmm. And live with the Maitlands forever. Right. I remember hearing that. She even had a little sister that they cut out of the script, apparently. Right. But she she was going to get cut out anyway, so mm-hmm. I don't even know what happened to that, but that'd be interesting to see the original script. Yeah. I wonder if there is one around. I don't know. Anyway, speaking of change scenes, you know the, how the Maitlands, if they leave the house and it takes them to Saturn, where yeah. the sandworms rule the land? Right. Originally, it was going to be a black open space with floating, rolling gears that are electrified and rolling all about. Creepy. Almost like they're like the mechanisms that make the world run. Oh, this this is like the Nightmare on Elm Street thing. I don't know if it was that. I think it was more like the space between reality and whatever. They were like, this is like the, the clockwork that keeps everything running. I like the sandworms. That was a of, good idea. Of course, but they actually shot that version first and they cut out all the like wheels spinning oh, and replaced it with, with the sand with the the claymation sandworm that's funny because this movie only had about a million dollars to work with as far as effects uh-huh wow they did good yeah i'd say good job for sure like totally. he knew he knew he couldn't do very much so he was like well and if you think about like movies like ghostbusters mm-hmm. that had like a 25 million dollar budget for like special effects and stuff and right. all kinds of stuff. This had a million and it yeah. did really well. Totally. So he really made it work and he figured it would work anyway because it was supposed to be this schlocky, mm-hmm. silly thing anyway. So in in 1989, the uh, this movie actually got best makeup for Oscar oh, that year. Oh, Academy, nice. Yeah, they actually went up against, uh, it was uh, Neil, Steve, Laporte, and Robert Short. It was... Mm-hmm. Up against Scrooged and Coming to America. And uh, they were the ones that were nominated also. Mm -hmm. Plus, uh, it also scooped up seven Saturn Awards for Best Supporting Actor with Keaton. Supporting Actress is Sylvia Sidney, who played Juno, which is weird. I mean, I love her in this movie, but I'm just saying, like... Well, she did a good job because her her, her oh the neck smoking was, thing was, yeah, yeah and that she had to act she had to act with that I mean come on also got best director best writing best music best makeup and best special effects at the Saturn Awards mm-hmm. so I got seven awards total and wow. an Oscar so which you never see like you know right movies that are like famous like that it's a genre film that's what they consider those things uh-huh. that's why they don't pick them for awards right. And people get upset because it's a well, genre that's film. all rigged anyway. Like Right. Well, I'm just saying, like, they don't like genre films. Right. 
drama. But yeah, I think it. I think it's uh, it's pretty wild. Like the stories on this a little bit because it's just like you know, it was back in the day when there wasn't prying eyes. There was just a lot of crazy stuff going on behind the scenes and stuff. You know that you can't get away with these days. Or I don't know the fact you know hearing about which is V-Swig even for the eighties and stuff. That's wild shit, dude. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really I really like this movie. It was a great time to rewatch. A good pick for Halloween, I think. Just to kind of sit back and chill and watch. We got more movies on the way, so we're going to be checking them out. I would love to hear you guys' thoughts about these movies. You know, we could tell... What, do you want to pick a favorite scene in this movie? Oh, well, that's hard to do. Because it was so, so good. But I really like the exorcism exorcism scene when uh, they uh, Ortho puts the, the wedding gear on the table and, you know, and then, then it just spirals. I like um, any, obviously, Keaton moments. Right. They're perfect. I also think, because like, I love when they first meet him and he hops out and they're like, hey, are you good? Are you scared? He's like, well, I've been around 600 years. I went to school at Juilliard and Harvard. And uh, <laughs> he's like, and I've seen The Exorcist 76 times and it keeps on getting funnier every time I watch it. <laughs> it is kind of funny, really. Right. Because she pees on the floor. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh. I think uh, my favorite thing about the movie is probably the afterlife in that waiting room. Yeah. There's just so many little things in that movie that are just so creative and thoughtful. I love the mundanity of the afterlife. Right. And how, like, it's nothing special. And in fact, you don't even go to hell or heaven for 150 years. Right. Your soul has to kind of, like, wear off reality. Right. Before you can actually be taken to heaven or hell. Right. So you're stuck in whatever environment you are for 150 years after your death. Mm -hmm. And if you do, like, you only get three chances to talk to a, you know, representative from the afterlife <laughs> over 150 years. You Like, I love that the, the clerks are all people who committed suicide because it's like. Because they always tell you, you know, you, you shouldn't do that. You're going to burn in hell. Right. But it's not burning in hell. It's just worse. It's clerk yeah. work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you work for the MVD or the MVA or the DMV. Right. Basically, it's like that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so funny. I don't know. It's just really beautiful. Everything, all the practical effects and everything really just like shine in here. And I think it's just it's just like you don't know what is what. You Some of the parts are claymation. They kind of seamlessly work within the movie because of how like artistic it is. It just kind of feels like it's part of it. Right. You know, like the whole house, even after the deets come in and change it. I fucking love the I artwork know, in there. Like that is so like amazing. Like right. I, you know, they got like granite tables and like fucking walls. Everything's dark stairs, and yeah, they got red. Gloomy. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's, it was a great rewatch. I'm really glad I picked it. I hope you guys enjoyed these movies. If you watched them with us, sound off in the comment section down below to let us know your favorite stuff and your favorite things about this movies. Uh, or if you don't like him at all, do you like Witches of Eastwick? Do you think the better movie is Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice, for Beetlejuice. sure. Beetlejuice. I mean, I almost want to give it a nine because there's not movies like it. I mean, can you? There's think, not. You know what I mean? Like it's very original. It very, it really is. So I feel like it should. It kind of deserves a nine more than anything. But next week we're gonna be doing some fun things, guys. Poltergeist. Poltergeist. From 1982, we got a 4K copy uh, from the gift list. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if someone bought it for us or I bought it for us. I don't remember. But 
it came with that whole it came with a, around that time we got the apparition from 2012 and poltergeist from 1992 from 1982 <laughs> you said 92 yeah. <laughs> that's because we've been doing like two movies in a row that every ep- or uh i think we did two 90s movies recently that were 92 right anyway poltergeist 1982 the apparition from 2012 Watch them. Check them out. Do you know where we can watch them, Christina? No, I do not. I forgot to look it up. We should look it up right now. So you can watch Poltergeist on, if you have a Philo subscription, you have a primetime subscription with YouTube. Yep. uh, This one, too. Or if you have AMC Plus. If you have AMC Plus, you can check out The Apparition. I just see that now. Same with Poltergeist, actually. So hope you'll join us next week for that episode. We'll be chock full of information on that one. So we have done Poltergeist in the past, but Christina hasn't. So I felt like it was safe to do so that you could get another point of view from the movie. But uh, but yeah, guys, thank you so much for coming and spending this time with us and listening to all our nonsense. Uh, but we really appreciate you guys. If you enjoyed this episode and you know somebody that might enjoy it too, please share the link with your friends and let them know that's how we exist. That's how we get bigger. That's how we stay around. So we thank you for all the support. And as always, long live the voice.